And if you would, go ahead, have a seat. Have a seat. We're going to begin in the Word today. I just want to alert everyone that today's message was a little bit more challenging than others have been based on the fact that two things. One, it's something I've heard my whole life. You might find yourself in the same situation saying, oh, I've already heard this. I challenge you today, stop. Don't do that. The second you start on that pathway of thought, you've already shut down what the word of the Lord would say to you today. So please think that though you've heard it, maybe you haven't heard it this way. Or maybe there's something else you could take away from today that you haven't taken away before. So when you've been raised in the church and you've been raised around faith and you have a father who lives like he lives about faith, that brings me to my second one. I consider the man that stands in this pulpit, Pastor Dosik, to be one of the best faith teachers I've ever heard. Straight up, none compare to what he preaches. I was listening to live stream on Wednesday night and I heard him start talking about faith and I just sit there knowing that I was still preparing my message on faith and I'm sitting there going, oh Jesus. It was seamless. It was so smooth. He, kn he knew every jot, every tittle about it. And I'm like, oh, Lord, how am I going to deliver this message? By faith. That's how. So this message was not meant to come close to what Pastor Dosik does and how he teaches on faith. I'm going to strip down something so rich, something so deep, something so fattening, and I'm going to skim off a little bit of the top, and then I'm going to try to spit that out. And that maybe in that little moment, it will ignite, reactivate, rekindle, set on fire the faith that's in you. And I was, as I was sitting down front today, I thought, Lord, for those that have been in the church for so long, they've heard these messages by Dad, and they're so rich, and they're so gleanful. We can't despite other people's small beginnings. There's some of us in here, they've never heard the faith message like this. They've never heard it. So I'm just going to ask those of you that have, you're just going to have to bear with us and go back to what it was like in the beginning and restart it, rethink it, reshape it because it's new and God reveals himself from glory to glory to glory. And Andrew Rogers, I'll never forget this, talks about the blender theory. Blender theory. You start out at the bottom of the blender, you get all prayed up here at the top, the big thickness, and then what happens? Right back down to the bottom and you start all over. Why? So God can keep on purifying you, so he can keep on stripping those big chunks out of your life, and by the time you're done, you just make one big fat smoothie. Just saying. Not that God's into smoothies. Anyway, sometimes we just need a kick in the pants, so that's what I'm going to do today. So... Um, let's start in Hebrews 11.6. And it's, it's simple scripture. You've probably all heard it before. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I just want to state here. I've put emojis through my message on my paper so that I remember to smile and frown and look like this. What did I do before emojis came out? But anyways, if we can be pleasing to God when we use faith, can we be displeasing when we don't? This is my emoji face. 
Like I'm going, <clears throat> yes, yes. See, everyone wants to look at the Bible in the positive form that it is, and that's beautiful. But to every positive, there's a negative reaction, amen? And what this is saying is that if you use the faith I've given you, it pleases me. If you don't, he didn't tell you what, but we can assume what, right? Picture this, when you ask God for something that you can't do on your own, he likes it. But when you don't include him and you struggle and you fight your way through it, and then you come out and you don't win it and you're like, oh, he's like, I was here. All you had to do was ask, but you didn't ask. I would have helped if you had just asked. Have you ever seen your kids struggling with something? They're trying to open that bottle and you, their little hands can't and you know they can't, right? And you're like, here, give me that. I'll help you. No, I can do it. <clears throat> I can do it. And they're sitting there for 30, 40 seconds. You could have done had the M&Ms if you would have just let me open the pack for you. But you didn't ask because they had to prove it. They were going to do it their way, right? Well, in the Bible, that's the prideful way. The other way for asking for help, that's the submissive way. Hey, Jesus, I need some help here because I don't know what to do. Okay. But somehow, in the world's eye, if you ask for Christ's help, you ask for God's help, you're weak. How is that so? That leads me to our next place. So let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter, 1 through 3. And while you're flipping there, I'm going to go ahead and give you the definition of faith. I always like to start my messages out with the definition so that you understand, you can reflect on this throughout the whole message. This is where I'm headed. Faith equals reliance upon Christ. We agree with him and what he says in the word. We're to trust and obey it. And it's the constancy, did you hear me? The constancy, being constant with your speech and your actions. Now, for Christian 101, basics, mom to children, this is what I'd say. Do what God says in spite of your own opinions and your own feelings. That's easy, right? No. <laughs> it's not easy because the feelings are involved. That's the problem. That's where we usually fall off track. So let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter, 1 through 3. Now, I would call this a life scripture. You could say, what do you mean a life scripture? Aren't they all life scriptures? Well, they are, but there are some scriptures to me that it doesn't matter what message I preach, these three scriptures would fit in every single message. And until they don't fit, I'm just going to keep on preaching them. Because it's something in my life, I can't forget these three scriptures for the rest of my life, okay? It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, live sin free. And be not conformed or like to this world, but be ye transformed... This word literally means a metamorphosis like a caterpillar to a butterfly. By the renewing, renovating of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, Hmm. but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, when we look at the third verse, I want to go back there because it said to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I always took this as like pride in the sense of I'm better than you. I don't put my pantyhose on the same way you do. I have someone who puts mine on. That's what I'm thinking of when I think of pride. I think of arrogance that's just over the hill. This person that you get around that you're just like, like you got to walk around because they're so big in themselves, right? That's not what this is talking about. This isn't talking about this. This is talking about arrogance, arrogance, listen to this, but to think soberly. That means in your right mind. Soberly means in your right mind. So obviously to think more highly of yourself or to think that in a situation you can do it on your own and not ask for Christ is the wrong way. The right way is to ask him to help. The wrong way is to be prideful. So literally we're talking about pride and humility, submission or not seems real simple, right? But he says, according as God hath dealt or divided up, it's like he had this one big portion and he divided it all equally and dealt to every man a measure of faith, a portion, a limited portion, limited. It's not unlimited. You don't get to go just dig in the big basket and barrel of Jesus and say, okay, give me more faith because I'm saved and I'm more important than everybody else. That's not the way this works. God didn't respect anyone more than he respected you or I. We are all the same in God's eyes. So, Ray, he gave you the same portion he gave me. Carol, he gave you the same portion he gave me, right? But there's something about the two scriptures before that that obviously have something to do with the measure that he gave us. So he was telling us that the measure I gave you is to be used so that you won't be like the world. You'll begin a metamorphosis that I've set into motion, and you'll begin to change the way you think because you don't think correctly. Living in this world has adapted how you think. I want to readapt you to think the way I think, so I've given you a measure, right? What's it, in Psalms, it says God's word is like a medicine. Medicine for what? For our bodies. Medicine for our bodies. Is your mind a part of your body? God fixes it. God fixes the way you think. You got crazy thinking? It's okay. It's all right. God fixes it. He doesn't only just heal the sickness in our body. He heals the sickness of the mind. The pastor spoke on it on Wednesday night when he talked about Abraham being feeble in his body, the weak in faith. He said he was not weak in faith. It meant feeble in his body feeble in his mind, in the way he thought. Abraham was not feeble in his mind. He was fully assured in his mind of what God could do. I said he sent his word and healed them. It's all throughout the Bible. But we think of body form, diseases. But what about the disease of the mind? I think the church has got a big disease going on right now. Now, some of you are saying, you know what? 
Sister Nicole, I know that God didn't give us all the same measure because look at Pastor Dosick's faith. I would be challenged to almost agree with you, but it's not true. He didn't get a bigger portion than you and I did. But what he did with his portion is relevant. And that's where we're going to go today. So let's talk about someone giving you a gift. Have you ever given a gift to somebody? And immediately they opened it up. They looked at it. They opened up the instruction. manual, like, yeah, this, okay, how do I do this? I'm going to attach this. Then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. A daughter, brother, son, mom or dad. I think of a KitchenAid mixer that I give to my mom. Okay? Now, I've never gotten her KitchenAid mixer, but she does have one. This is all just for the message. If I gave my mom a KitchenAid mixer and she said, oh, thank you, and left it in the box and put it on the counter. And every time I came over there, I saw her using this big old masher for mashed potatoes and, and sweating over Thanksgiving mashed potatoes. And I had gotten her a KitchenAid mixer on the counter. How would that make you feel? I'd be like, Mom, why are you not opening the gift? Just open it. It's, well, there's all those parts, and there's this big manual. That manual starts on page one, and it's, wait, let me see. This one is 1,910 pages long. How am I supposed to understand how that KitchenAid works? Well, Mom, really, it's not that hard. If you just open the box, there, there's a, even a quick guide to show you how to connect the attachment, and you just turn it on. And it makes the mashed potatoes. It's real simple. You get to stand there. It does all the work. You pour in the milk, you pour in the butter, right? A lot of us Christians are the same way. See, God gave you a measure. You didn't earn it. He gave it to you. It's a gift. Now, don't, don't mishear what I'm saying. I'm not talking about the gift of faith in Corinthians. I'm talking about faith in general. There is a gift of faith, but we're not talking about that today. What I'm saying is, God gave you a measure. That equals a gift. He gave it to you freely. But what you do with it is your choice. And if you take this faith and you just put it on the shelf and say, oh, I got some faith, I'm going to keep that for a special day. You're not going to be ready with it. You're not going to be ready with it. See, it's going to take you a half hour to unpack the KitchenAid mixer, get it on the counter, undo it. You're going to have to wash the bowl because it's brand new. You're going to have to soak the things before you put stuff in it. Then you're going to have to learn how to make the attachment. Thanksgiving dinner is going to be over before you learn how to use your mixer, let alone meat grinder part of it. I mean, that's just crazy right there. But it was a gift. Why aren't you using it? So my challenge to you today is, you've been given the gift. What are you going to do with what God gave you? Because if you sit it on a shelf to just say God gave it to you, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. See, when God gave you that measure, that measure, it may be as big as a mustard seed. We don't know, maybe even smaller. But it has power to move mountains. See, when God gave you faith, he gave you the V to victory. When he gave you faith, he gave you the V to blessing. He gave you everything that you need. It's the W in Waymaker. But if you just set it on the shelf and label it faith, yeah, I got it. It's not going to do anything for you. 
Life's still going to be just as hard. Still going to be struggling come Thanksgiving dinner. And you got to make all those potatoes. And the bigger the family gets, the more potatoes you got to make. Right? This measure that he gave us can do the impossible if you choose faith. Every day, wake up and choose faith. Every day, every situation, every struggle with the children, every struggle with your finances, every struggle with your health, wake up and choose faith. You've been given the choice, but you have to use it. This faith will get you from a life of uncertainty. You ready? You can get your pencils out for this one. Faith will get you from the life of uncertainty to eternity. Faith is for you. Faith is not for God. When we get to heaven, there'll be none. We don't need it. He is. It is. We can believe it. It's there right now. This is for you to get through this life. This is so you can live holy. This is so you can be healthy in your body. This is so all your children can be saved and come into the kingdom of God. But if you don't use it and access it, it won't do anything for you. This gift will sit on a shelf. So tonight, or today, I always like to have you guys say something. I like to have you say something so that you'll own it. So today, I want everyone to say, I have a choice. Okay, you're going to remember that, right? This week, I didn't make you say you love me. See, so that I could stomp all over you, and then you had to say I love you back. I know, I didn't do that. By choosing faith, we choose life. Life for ourselves. Let's go to Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, the 19th verse. This is a good one, too. Very good. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your... What? Wait a minute. You mean my choice affects more than just me? Let me tell you something. There are some of you that are sitting in these seats today because you had a praying grandmother. There's some of you that are here today because you had a mother that would not let go. She looked at you and said, you can run, but you can't hide. One day you're going to serve Jesus. You know what? That liquor you're drinking today is not going to make you happy tomorrow. Son, you're going to repent and fall on your knees and come home to Jesus. Some of you are here because of that moment. Your choice today to choose faith and to speak life instead of death over your children might be the thing that saves their soul from hell. You understand that the children that you're seeding today, you're going to go home and you're going to take this faith message and you're going to hear, wait till you hear what your family is speaking. Oh, it's like eight weeks of these antenna ears have been turned on in my life and I'm like, oh, you can't say that. And Brady's like, we don't talk like this in this house. I'm like, well, we did until eight weeks ago. What is it? God's doing a renovation. God's doing a transformation in the water's house and is saying, you need to stop 
using your tongue to create death. You need to stop cursing what I'm blessing and speak life. Choose life in all situations. You don't say we don't have the money for that. You say it's not a priority right now. Or you speak the word of God that God meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory. I got a list sitting on our counter. It says the faith list. Randy took it off the counter and put it down. And I found out he was at work on Friday. I said, why are you working? He said, well, you said that list up there, that's all the stuff we needed money for. I said, read the top of the list. It didn't say Randy's needless, go get. It said our faith list. You already work 67 hours a week. How many more can you work? Well, there was some painting that needed done. I just thought I could make another $500. I said, well, that's great, but your children haven't seen you all week. This is about God's needs, not mine. It's his faith list. Just put your faith towards that list and start speaking life and not death. Start speaking blessing and watch your children change. Watch your marriage change. You want to know why some of us have the marriages we have? Because we speak what our marriage looks like. And we don't speak what our marriage should be. If your marriage is bad, we better not go there yet. There's a lot more to go through. Let's just keep, let's just keep going. What you speak influences the seed of tomorrow. And you have the power to change the way your children see it, the way their children see it, and the way the next children see it. But if you don't sow the seeds of life, and all you breed is death, you've set your own generation up for failure. Please choose life. Choose to speak faith instead of death. Choose to open this gift and figure out how it works. I don't want you to not choose faith because it becomes work. Now let me talk to you something. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about works. I'm not, you didn't do anything to receive this gift. Good people don't get it and bad people don't. That's not the way it works. When you're a Christian, you got the measure. But if you don't work it, it will not work for you. And your whole life, you're going to get sour. Have you ever met a sour Christian? Well, we sow all the time. God just doesn't, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what the problem is. It just never comes back. Never comes back. We've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed. Well, let me tell you something. Last time I checked, God raised a man from the dead and caused him to come back on the third day. And he's alive today. It's not God that made the mistake. It's not God that's not honoring his word. It has to do with us. See, America, church, maybe the world church, has come into this drive-through mentality. We want to drive up to the church. We want to say, okay, I need an electric bill for $232. I need senior pictures paid for. And I need a graduation party that's going to feed 300 people with brisket smoked. Okay, just a minute, Nicole, we got that. Boom, boom, boom. Done. 
And if it doesn't happen in the time allotment that we think, then God failed. God didn't fail. Your timing mechanism failed. God doesn't fail until the day he comes back and he didn't meet your need. He didn't do what you asked then, then you got a problem. It's us, church. It's us because we don't want to put in the work. Did anyone catch that when I said from page 1 to 1,910? The older I get, those numbers back here. My, hey, yesterday I was so proud of myself. There was a girl in one of our meetings, and I was at a, uh, a basketball meeting, and she couldn't fill out her application form because she couldn't read her insurance numbers on her card. I said, let me help you. I didn't think I could read them either, but the Lord, I used my faith, and I went one eight four four seven six three one two four nine, and gave it back to her. That might not have been the numbers on that card, but I wanted to use my faith. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope her son don't get hurt in that basketball tournament because they might not get Anthem Blue Cross. Oh. What I'm saying is you've been given an instruction manual to faith. Get a bigger, get a smaller Bible and the pages may only be like from 1 to 236 and you might feel better about yourself. The point is, I get it's a lot. But see, you're not supposed to read the instruction manual in one day. You just need to get to the first, first faith scripture, read it, and do exactly what that says. And then the next day you get up, you do a little bit more reading, you do a little bit more transforming and renewing of your mind, the renovation process, and then you add the second scripture, and before you know it, now you're on day two of faith, right? So the Bible I have has 1,910 pages probably of scripture about faith because there's not a scripture in the Bible that doesn't have faith infused in it. When God spoke it, he spoke it, it became life. When he said, let the clouds, let the, let the sea depart, open up this, put the fishes, air, blah, 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 blah. The whole world just went boom, 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 boom. And he was like, yeah, it's good. He's got faith in himself. He don't question who he is. He spoke and it was. He spoke to the men that wrote the Bible. And they wrote it so that you and I could read it and learn. A disciple of the word is someone who learns the Bible. Sometimes when things get hard, like 1,910 pages, the church decides to stop doing it. Why is that? Why is it that Michael Jordan can tell you all 323 shots think it was, that he missed. 323 times Michael Jordan was given the game-winning shot to the ball game, and he missed, and they lost. Why is it that he can go back and look at every video and every film of everything he's ever done wrong and fix it and be that dedicated to this little orange ball that puts green pieces of paper in his pocket. It's paper. It's paper. <laughs> Yet the church won't apply themselves to give a little bit each day to be better so that the world can be one. 
See, I go to a church. You ready for this? I go to a church that isn't afraid of work. I go to a church that when the, it gets tough, the tough get going. I go to a church that isn't afraid to get their hands dirty in the faith, in the deliverance, in the problems of other people. I go to a church that puts people first above themselves. I go to a church that has more care and concern about the world than they do themselves. I just showed you life over death. I just showed you blessing over cursing. You ever wonder why people in the world don't want to be like the church? I'm just saying. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, I didn't make a mistake, and hearing the word of God. I often put into like perspective how they wrote that. Like, hmm, faith comes by hearing. Wait, and hearing. Or was it, faith comes by hearing and hearing? And oh, no, only two times is enough. And, or was it, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God? Do you see how different pronunciation makes that a little bit more important? I choose to take it like faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing the Lord. But he ran out of room on the paper, so he went back and he raised a whole bunch of those hearings and said, I only got room for two, one for this year and one for this year. But I need to tell them more than once because I don't think they'll get it if I only write it once. Faith, when you hear the word of God, faith becomes full inside of you, every part of it. But if you don't do something with it, it won't get full, but it will do something else. It'll die. Some of us in here don't just have weak faith. Some of us had dead faith. Some of us have neglected faith so long that this seed just dried up in itself like, oh my gosh. But that's all right, because all it takes is a little bit of blessing. All it takes is a little bit of speaking some faith, and that seed starts, mm, mm, mm. it starts moving. It's like one of those Japanese jumping beans that you put in a box. You can hear it at night going, t, 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 t. what's it doing? It's trying to get out of that box. Get me out. I was meant to be more than this. Get me out. Hearing can be done in multiple ways. Let's look in the Bible. John 4, 41 and 42. I just want to show you other ways. Though it's talking about hearing, there are other ways to hear. And here's some of the ways that was found in Scripture. It says, 441, And many more believed because of his own word. This is talking about Jesus. And said unto the woman, now we believe not because of your saying. So obviously this woman had been telling them about the works of Jesus. She had been telling them, you've got to come meet this guy. He's the Christ. And they're like, okay, well, let's go out and see him. But because they heard him, now we believe. Not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And, now, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. 
When you hear and you read these words, you're hearing Christ himself. Christ himself speaking, though it be the red letters, those are words he truly spake on his own while he lived in earthly body. The other ones were spiritually inspired to men of God through the Holy Spirit. And then they wrote them for you and I. Let's go to um, John, the second chapter, the 23rd verse, just a few pages back. Look at this. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Faith comes by seeing miracles. How many of you been to a miracle service here at the church? Isn't that encouraging when you see somebody that's been deaf, who couldn't hear, hear for the first time and speak? How can you not believe in Christ and who he is and the price he paid at Calvary for you and I when you see the work of miracles at hand? That's a way you hear. That's a way your faith comes, by seeing those miracles, by hearing the works of the Lord. You can also meditate and think about these words. I got two scriptures about this one because it's so important to me. I want you to go to Joshua 1.8. This is another life scripture for those of you that are looking for some. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shall make thy way prosperous. And then, so if you do what it said before, then you shall have good success. What's that tell you? All 1,910 pages, you need to start reading. You need to start reading because this is how faith comes, right? 1 Timothy 4.15. I'm not the only one who was sick this week, obviously. Everyone's coughing and hacking. Praise Jesus. Heal us in Jesus' name. This word be medicine to our bodies. Amen. I'm at Timothy. Where's my Timothy? Here we go. All right. 2 Timothy 4, 15 and 16. This is good. No. 1 Timothy, thank you. I'm like, that's not the scripture I had in there. I pinned my pages wrong. Those paper clips are horrible too, sorry. Didn't rip my pages. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to pick that up because that's going to eat the sweeper. Okay. Here we go. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Hold up, hold up. I thought this was about me. People are watching. People are watching what you do with your faith. People are watching whether you're dedicated. People are watching whether you're diligent to read and to learn and to be a disciple of Jesus. See, you don't get to call yourself a disciple and not do it. That's not how it works. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself, wait a minute, and them that hear thee. What? You mean my life, my action, 
has an effect on someone else hearing the gospel, hearing life, hearing faith be let loose? Yeah, it does. But every time you speak the negative, they hear that too. They see that too. That seeds. And if when they hear the good things, it saves them. What does it do with the bad things? Again, positive and negative. When you meditate on the word, it reminds me of friendship bread. I know, you're going to think I'm crazy. How many of you have ever gotten friendship bread from a friend? Well, let me tell you something. Don't anybody give me any friendship bread starter or any bread because you are not my friend. All that means is that friendship bread is this little bag of yeast and something all mixed together. And they give it to you. And they, they come passing them out like they're giving you this beautiful gift. Like, here's one for you, Peggy. Here's one for you, Jim. Look, Sharon, what I got for you. Here's some friendship bread. <laughs> All you have to do is feed it. Feed it? What are you talking about? Well, every couple days, you got to take like a teaspoon of sugar, open up the bag, and put the sugar in. And I'm like, okay, sure, no problem. So I kind of do that, and I look, I mash it around in the bag. It's nasty. It smells all yeasty and ugh. It doesn't smell like bread yet. It just smells yuck. Well, then a couple days later, I walk by, oh, I gotta make that bread. I gotta make that bread. And I'm, well, if I'm not gonna make it, I gotta feed that stupid stuff again or it'll die. So I throw in another thing of sugar, shake it up, put it on the counter. I promise you, two and a half weeks went by. I could not find the time to stink and make this bread. But I had transferred it from a snack bag to a quart bag, from a quart bag to a gallon bag because this stuff grows. It popped open on my counter and started oozing all over everything. And I'm like, good night. What am I supposed to do with this stuff? How can this get us out of control? So now I understand why it's called friendship bread. You're supposed to divide it up, put it in a bag, and give it away. Because I didn't have time to make the bread. Finally, listen, I threw it in the trash. We tried to freeze it so that we could stop the growth, and we woke up. <laughs> it's everywhere. It had taken over my freezer. I tried. At first, we started in the lunch drawer with the lunch meat. It ate the turkey, it ate everything, and then we went to the freezer. Listen, faith is like this friendship starter. God gives you this. <laughs> God gives you this measure, this beautiful substance and says, here, because I know you're going to need it. I've been where you are. I've walked life. You're going to need this. And you're like, what do you need this for? You just throw it over on the shelf. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I got to feed that thing today. Yeah, you do. You do. Because if you don't, it's going to die. See, God overcame the world. But there's one thing he can't overcome. 
You want to write that down? Nicole said there's something God can't overcome. As much as I believe he can do the impossible, and I do believe he can do the impossible, he can't overcome your neglect. If you neglect your faith, it will die. And the only one it's going to hurt is you and your seed. If you don't do it for you, do it for your children. What if my father had never been the patriarch of our family? You realize I was saved one year before my father? Stand us both up here and who do you think has more faith? I'll just throw it right out there. I'm not the one with the more faith. But I'm the one that was saved longer. So who did the word and who didn't? Pretty vulnerable place up here right now. I'm responsible. I'm responsible to own it. And I need you to be responsible to own yours. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. See, faith transcends age, gender, time, smarts. Don't take smarts for faith. You don't understand. If you can't read, it's okay. You can hear someone else say it, and it will grow yours. Put in a cassette. Put in a DVD player. Or CD, whatever they call those stupid things. Man, I was promised I was not going to show my age today, but I, would, I, I meant to say cassette tape. You know, I'm sorry. I had cassette tapes in my car. My parents had the 8-track that converted to cassette tape. My kids don't even need CDs. They're like, why do I want this stupid CD? We'll just download it. <laughs> download a message. Download it and hear it and hear it and hear it. You don't have to be a college graduate to understand faith. See, because he gave us the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left this place, he said, okay, now I know that you're going to need somebody. I'm not going to be here, but I'm going to leave this guy with you. And when I do, he's going to take care of all the teaching stuff. He's going to help you. He's going to walk you through it. He's going to give you comfort when you think you can't do it. He's going to give you a kick in the pants when you think you can't. It's going to be okay. And then for all the rest, I'm going to put Nicole in Bakken's Ohio. And when they need it, he's going to give it to them. You have what you need. You just have to do it. I'm telling you, I am a firm believer that Nike, the first three words on this preface page in my Bible should say, just do it. That's it. Just do it. Those of you that weren't here for my overcomer message, the word Nike, N-I-K-E, that you see every single day, means to overcome, take it all. I think they were being prophetic when they said that. Every time somebody says Nike, it says they've overcome. Biggest sports place out there. Drinking up all of our money for Nike shoes, Nike pants, I need a sweatshirt, Nike. Listen, overcome and take all. 
That's what God's called you to be. But without the faith that he's given you, you're just going to have this little bag of friendship bread. Got to feed it. Got to feed it. And when you feed it, it's going to start overtaking you. And it's going to grow. Now let's talk about this. So we've identified that the word is sugar for our friendship bread, right? The word is this fuel for our faith. It's the fuel that keeps it burning. The only thing you can write this down to, I came up with this one. I'm a little proud of this one. Randy wanted to take it and I wouldn't let him, but I did use some of his help. The only thing stopping us from receiving the impossible is fully believing. But the only thing stopping you from fully believing is hearing. Hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And if you hear enough, you become fully persuaded like Abraham was fully persuaded. So fully persuaded that you believed that God would take your feeble body that could not have children any longer, put it with a wife, have a child past the age, and then um, you're going to be the father of many nations. What? He believed him. He changes his name. He leaves a country. Why? Because God said, who's God? You, you hear people talking in your head? Can you imagine the people in the camp? You're just going to leave like because God said? Yes, because God said. Unlike America today, I'm just going to say this. Maybe we should stop live streaming right now. But you know what? There's some talk shows out there that they're talking about the presidents and everyone listening to God in the White House. Let me tell you something. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord God still speaks. There was 400 years he was silent. Thank God our vice president walks around saying the Lord said. Thank God. And that's nothing to be made fun of. It's nothing to be mocked. I got voices in my head. One. Jesus. Get me all fired up. Mm. Makes me mad when people make fun of Jesus and when he speaks. Come on. Now, if you're throwing that around loosely and saying God told you to go to the restroom, then you need to be smacked for that too. But if not, then praise you, Jesus. <sighs> Faith dies if it's not used. James 2.20. 2.20. I'm going to turn there to that one. James 2.20. And a lot of these, keep in mind, it says, But wilt thou... thou be, let's go to 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man... That faith without works is dead? Oh, vain man. If I was to think of an example, who in here lifts weights? Who's Randy, you're a weightlifter. Who else? Who else we got? Dakota. Dakota, come up here before you go do worship. Come here. Now, if... It, Randy, come up here in front of everybody. I want you, you to be present right here. Right here. And Dakota, come on. If I was to say that faith without works, right here, Dakota, faith without, wait, let's take this off. Can you, can you take this off? I can't get it off. Okay, sorry, okay. 
They're all much better. Thank you. If I was to say that faith without works is dead, then weightlifters who say they work out and don't wouldn't have proof, correct? Faith has proof. If you say that you have faith, then your marriage should be on fire with love and passion and everything else that the world claims that the Christians don't have because 75% of all Christian men are looking at pornography and having an affair. And only 68% of the world is doing it. Just thought I'd throw those numbers out there. Why do you think the world don't want to be a part of the church? They got higher numbers than we got. Faith without works is dead. You can't say that you're doing this and reading all 1,910 pages. Now, Randy, you said you're a weightlifter. Oh, he must have a membership over at the, the, the soft, I, I don't know. Okay, and, and Dakota, now you say you're a weightlifter. Do you, do you have a gym membership? Oh, you, you work out, do you? Um, how many days a week would that be? Five, five days. And Randy, when, when do you work out? Uh, I do dishes at home. Oh, oh. <laughs> Who has works? Who has works of a weightlifter? Is it Randy who lifts the forks and the knives and the spoons? Or is it Dakota who I've seen lift the largest weight in the... I'm like... Like a beast, I'm just telling you. It's crazy what they put themselves through. Who has the works? God, don't be afraid. Randy's big enough to handle this. Who has the works of a weightlifter? Dakota does. Why? Because he has proof. He has proof. Ooh. Oh, sorry, Randy. I didn't mean to hit your rib. Just kidding. Go sit down. Thank you. The works, there's proof when you say you have faith. I want to see proof. I want the world to see proof of our faith. It's time we stop lying to ourselves. Please hear me. Time is short. Christ is returning quickly. But if you keep lying to yourself, saying that it's okay, your faith's enough. You don't know. You have three, four, five, six, seven children. And you know your husband, he doesn't even, he really doesn't even live for Jesus. And you're doing this all on your own. Listen, you of all people need faith. If you've got more than three children, you need a lot of faith. I got three and I need a lot. There's nothing too big for God. The problem is, he gave you the power to do it, but you won't use what he gave you. You won't make the bread. You won't feed the friendship bread to grow it. Do you realize what this friendship bread starter does? It makes rolls. It makes cinnamon rolls. It makes bread. It makes pasta. It makes anything white you can imagine. It makes me happy to think about it because I'm thinking about the carb coma afterwards and that feeling of, it was substance. You have this substance. What will you do with it? 
Hebrews 11.6. Now faith is. Hebrews 11.6. Oh, no, no. I wrote down the wrong scripture. Well, I don't know what it is. Now faith is. Now faith is. Again, was it? Now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Or was it? Now. Faith is the substance. Or was it? Now. I think it's now. Faith is now. Faith is what you, not what you see, but what you speak now. Then it becomes. Dad said for life, faith speaks, then it sees. Faith doesn't look and then speak. Because what you see isn't going to be the truth. Because you're in the world. Your, your mind's been jacked from being in the world. So you don't think sober thoughts. You don't think the right thoughts. You think earthly, normal thoughts. But God thinks the impossible. God says, I can fix it all. All you got to do is use a little bit of that and mix it with it. And this much, just a mustard seed size, will move that mountain. A mountain, if you use it. All of that being said today, to get you to reach down inside you, pull up that measure, that bag of friendship bread, smash it around, squish it together, get it working, put some word inside it, seal it up. Get it working. And then use it. Use it. Use that little bit that you've got in that bag. Because I'm just telling you, if you don't use it, it will get out of control. It's going to grow more the next day. It's going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And see, then the world's going to start looking at your marriage. That you've been speaking faith over. That Jim loves me... I'm Peggy. Jim, sorry. Jim loves me more than he loves himself. He is a man after God's own heart. He loves me as Christ loved the church. He prefers me above himself. In all things, he will provide for me. Instead of, you know what? Lord, he just never does anything right. I don't understand it. I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. Your prayer session turns into a gripe session. Stop griping and start speaking the word of God about your situation and watch it change. God, I thank you that I have direction. I just looked over a bunch of college kids. Thank you, God, that I have direction in college. Thank you, God, that I choose the right degree, Father, that I'm not changing to and from. But, God, I will know your perfect will for my life. Thank you, God. Where are those days at? Where are those days at? Because I feel like the church has lost that place. And we've got to come back to the basics of the word. Just apply what we know, right? Read, apply. Read, 
apply. The process of reading and applying is growth. Maturity. See, God is the author. He's the one who began, wrote your faith. He's the one who's going to end it. He's the one who's going to perfect it. It's not yours to know what scripture's next in the Bible. Trust me, open it. It'll fall on the right page and read. God will bring your faith to its perfection. That's what he does. That's his job. It's not yours. It's your job to read and obey. Read and obey. Read and apply. Read and apply. No matter what your feelings say. Trust in the Lord. Obey. Rely on who he is. Read. Obey. Read. Obey. This is not rocket science. For years... I've seen my dad, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a plug for somebody today on national television or via live stream, whatever it is. Mindology. It's a company that makes cards. They come on a little ring this big. And my dad, for years, I actually got this out of his office. He's gotten a little wiser through the years. He used to have business cards, <laughs> but he didn't use business cards because he wanted to pass them out. He used business cards because on the back of every business card, he had a scripture. And on this scripture card, if you saw them, they were all crumpled. And you'd see him. You'd be talking to him in the office. And that meant I'm bored with what you're saying, so I'm going to find out what the Lord's saying. That's what that told me. Hundreds of these cards everywhere. I'd come home and on the end of the counter, there'd be this pile, his keys, his money, cough drop, and these scripture cards piled up. Pete, I, my gosh, can you just make it to the office? Can you just put this on your dresser? Honey, I need those. I need that stuff there. I know, but I'm sick of seeing it lay out. I want to see these out. I want to see these out. This is meditation. This is faith cometh by hearing. But what do you see us? You see us on our phones in Walmart. When we have five extra minutes, we're thumbing through Facebook to see whose post we can like or how many people liked ours. Go get yourself a set of these cards. Put some life scriptures on there. And every time your husband makes you mad, don't do it in front of him. That would be a little bit provoking. But every time your husband makes you mad, just leave the room and say, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you said my marriage would be blah, 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 blah. And you might have to do a little bit of history study. You might have to go into the Bible and find out what the Bible says about your situation. See, you might have faith in the area of salvation. You might have faith in the area of healing, but not have faith in the area of your finances. You might not have faith in the area of your children. Go find out what it says and then start applying it through faith and watch your situation change. These are key to changing your mind that's been conformed or like this world and coming out of that place. In order for you and I to apprehend all that God has for us. It's time that we make the world jealous. 
about what the church has. It's time that the world starts looking at the church. Then people got it together. Like, what, what am I doing wrong? Why is this not working? Why is my life supposedly falling apart in all these people I meet? They're happy about politics. They're happy about the world. They're happy about this. They're... I don't understand. Peggy, what's your secret? And then Peggy gets to share about using her faith for her marriage and how God resurrected her faith and brought her marriage from ashes to beauty. Oh, we once, we, we weren't in love. We couldn't stand each other. But I started speaking faith about what God said. And before you knew it, I felt this little spark inside. Woo, hey, baby. And it all came back. God can do the same thing for your marriage. You, you want to come into the family and let me show you how it's done? Well, well, I got nothing else to choose right now. Life's just pretty bad. Okay, well, let's pray the sinner's prayer. And it starts one by one, fire by fire. Your faith affects people around you. Your blessing and your cursing, speaking life or speaking death, affects everyone around you. So today... And for every day, for the rest of our life, let's choose faith. Amen. Let's choose God's way above our way. Let's humble ourselves before him and say, God, you're it. I don't know nothing. Just lead me, guide me, and show me the way. And pick up the manual. I, I'm telling you, there's not going to be, I don't believe unless the Lord would tell me. I am ever going to stop telling you that you have to read the Bible. There's not a Sunday that should go by that you're not reminded that without this, you can't grow. All right? I love you guys. Hmm. I hope you do when you're at home this week and you realize that this just started work. I'm telling you, I didn't even realize that though I had been sitting under years and years and years of faith teaching that I've just been sitting, just been dropping that tithe in the bucket. Yep. Hi. Good to see you today. Hi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Life's good. Do life with a purpose. There's a song by Jamie Grace. I want to do life big. Do it big. Do it with purpose. Don't let anything you say, anything you do, just because. Do it with a newfound purpose and passion, with faith infused inside of it, and watch God change your circumstance. Amen? All right. Let's say again. I choose faith. Devil, you better look out, because Only Believe Ministries just chose faith. Amen. And I think the devil's got a big reason to be afraid of a bunch of believers who are going to set their faith on fire and change the way they've been living. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, today for the word that you've given. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've anointed my lips, God, and you gave it to the people. God, that I gave it as you gave it to me. Lord, I thank you for it. 
each live streamer that thou is out there viewing today, everyone on Facebook that is watching this live today, this message was for you. Don't think it was just for this church. You are a part of the church, and I'm glad you watched today. And we'll see you more Sundays than not, but go share what you've learned today with somebody. Tell them, I choose faith, and start speaking faith in your life. God, as this congregation goes home this week, Father, every step, every day we have a chance, God. Remind us, God, that we choose to activate, reignite, and set on fire our faith for you. And Father, we speak life and not death in every situation. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll see you on Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Until then.